0: Good morning, I'm Nathan Thomas, I'm the youth pastor here. Let us continue to worship. Our passage this morning is from Colossians 3. We'll be reading verses... 15 through 17, the Stuart said, we did the old switcheroo this morning, so he got the announcements, which, by the way, I heard how quiet everybody got when he stood up there. We, we can keep that going forward. No, I, it's funny, he, he get, but I'm excited to preach this morning. We are looking at really what measures up to a benediction, uh, really three, I could probably spend a whole 30-minute sermon on each one of these verses. So I did the rational thing, and this morning we're going to go the full 90. Um, I'm excited to be here, though. I was a little rattled this morning. My whole routine was messed up. I forgot my chapstick. And just everything was throwing me off. But being with my brothers and sisters in Christ and being with y'all, it is a calming and good thing, and I'm happy to be a part of this family. So, with that being said, let's dive into the Word of God. This is Colossians 3, starting in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Dearly Father, this is your word. And I pray that the words I preach are yours. pray that the Spirit may carry us to you that our hearts and our affections are turned toward you. If I say anything false or untrue, Lord, I pray that that may fall upon deaf ears. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was young, uh, Mom made sure I knew my manners. And she would get frustrated with me because usually I practiced my manners when I was with other people, but not when I was home. And one of the things she always made me do, and this was probably one of the more frustrating things when I was little, and something I enjoy much more now, was writing thank you notes. I figured, in my naive state, if I just said thank you to somebody, that meant they knew I appreciated their gifts. I, I assume people didn't think I was lying about my appreciation. Uh, but mom note said, no, you, you have to write a thank you note. And it has to be personal. And that's, I mean, that's what a good thank you note is, right? It is, uh, there, there's something about it. It takes time. It takes consideration. If you're me, you probably have to read or write it two or three times just so people can read your writing. It's well measured. Uh, there is consideration. Not not just on the gift, but on the person who has taken time to love you, to go out of their way to give you something. You you take time to reminisce and think of how this person has gone above and beyond. And as I said earlier, today, Paul's benedictions, he's, he's... Telling Christians to do three things. One, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Two, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And three, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. But the way he phrases it, the way he he frames it, is in giving thanks. And so as we continue in this series on gospel living... I want us to think about living our lives in this manner, as if our lives were our thank you note. And that's really the main point of this sermon. Our lives should be a thank you note to our Savior. Again, I'll say our lives should be a thank you note to our Savior. Paul begins this with let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So this he begins with peace. If we're going to put our new selves if indeed we're going to be as Paul says raised in Christ and then we can find a stillness and a calmness with Jesus. Now Peace is hard to come by. I think it's tough. Our world is a very anxious place. It's almost as if peace is not an option. It seems as if one war ends, another one immediately begins. Even locally. We had, a, we had a shooting in Sumter this week in a very crowded place there's terrible tragedies in this world it is a sinful place and it is can be evil so it's tough asking for peace and i haven't even begun on our own personal anxieties or fears and the demands of work can be difficult And tough. It feels like you're always having to fill certain requirements, always having to be at a certain standard. And sometimes you're just trying to make ends meet. We have friendships that grow and strengthen, and then somebody says the wrong thing, and lives fall apart. Uh, I'm the youth pastor. I work with the youth, and I see this. I see their anxieties and fears. I see the burdens that the academic standards are put upon them, the demands. Uh, I see how much they have to go into the extracurricular activities, how much time that takes a part of their lives. I've talked to students about how they feel the need to meet their parent's standard of what they want them to be. And that's not even beginning to get at the standards that the students put upon themselves. Now when I was in high school, my standards were not very high at all. But these kids, their standards are way up there. They go all out on everything. It's stressful. Lives as adults can be Stressful. Where can we find peace in a world like this? Well, firstly, as a theologian with one of my favorite names, Douglas Moo, points out, peace is heartfelt. It's not, when we talk about peace, it's not some inner. Eastern philosophy ideal. But there's a peace in knowing we are under Christ's rule. We are under his kingdom. We are under his sovereignty. We are subdued to him. Ultimately, is Jesus calling the shots? And if that's true, which I firmly believe it is, and we know he loves his people, which he has told us he does, he will work everything out to our eternal good, which he tells us he will. We have peace because we know where we're going. We know the direction. We know the way. We know, we know the ending of the story. Revelation just spoils everything. So if you want to know, go to the Bible study. But it ends with the marriage feast of the Lamb in the church, and it is beautiful, it is glorious, and it is time of great peace. And so we have peace knowing that is where we are going. That is where we are heading. Secondly, We know we are not going to this eternal kingdom alone. We are going together. We are a body that moves together. We are going to go linked arm in arm because that is who Christ made us to be. We are very much a necessary part of each other's lives. One of my favorite games that the youth play although I had to cancel it for a while because one student tried to dive through a wall. But I love it when we play Blob Tag. Blob Tag's great because everybody starts off on their own, and by the end of the game, everyone is linked together arm in arm. Start out as individuals, but you end up as this giant amoeba. One group. Our lives are frantic. I was a little frantic this morning. Our lives can be stressful. and can be anxious. Difficult. And even right now, some of you may be in that valley of darkness where it is hard to see. But we can still give thanks to our Redeemer. We can still look forward to the peace because we can come together and we should come together and we should be together as a body of believers journeying with one another toward this wonderful destination. The Lord has made sure we are not alone. The Lord has made sure that we are walking together. That He... We are guided by Jesus. We are walking the way. We are walking the truth. We are walking in the light, arm in arm, hand in hand. Jesus is the way we take. He is the one who brings us the peace that we so desperately need. And he brings us together. And that is, that is good. And that is where we can look to have peace in Christ. And so as we begin our thank you letter to the Lord, we need to see and know that we have a peace in him and we have a peace with others in him. So what is our response to this peace? This is the reason we are giving thanks. This is how we begin our thank you letter. Well, what comes next is, frankly, outright worship. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. Now, this second benediction centers on the word of Christ, that is, the scriptures. It's how we know Jesus. The Bible is how we know who Jesus is. Sometimes I, it's difficult talking about the Word of God. It's hard to figure out the right frame of mind to approach Scriptures. But we do know this. Because of 1 John, we know Jesus is the Word. And so when we read scriptures, when we read the Bible, when we read the Old and the New Testament, we can really approach it like this is a correspondence from God to us that we may know him. It enriches our lives. It gives us knowledge of the one who loves us tremendously. He it lets us know that Christ has given us a new self, one that is free from sin, there's there is power in the Word of God. In fact, with uh, my youth team, I've, I've been trying to do some ministry application. And I try to drive home the importance of Scripture because it is powerful. We see it in the beginning in Genesis uh, one, in verse three, creation is made through the word of God. God said, let there be light, and there is light. The very word of God brought something into creation that previously was nothing. This is the power of the word of God. It's so important uh, to the Israelites that Moses, in writing Deuteronomy, and referencing, is like, if you need a king, He says this, when he, that is the king, sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers. So the king, the ruler of Israel, what he was supposed to do was handwrite this long sermon by Moses. Handwrite the word of God and he had priests looking over him making sure he didn't edit it. Nope, you got that right? Nope, you skipped that part. No, you need to know this. You need to write this down. And not only write it, study it every day. Let it dwell in your heart. Even the ancient ruler of Israel, the person who had arguably the most authority beneath the Lord himself to dwell on the word of God. Indeed, the word was the battle cry of the Reformation, sola scriptura, scripture alone. Uh, For those of you not familiar, the Reformation was uh, a church event that happened 500-ish years ago. I might be underselling it by calling it a church event, uh, but it was massive and The main point of it was the church had moved away from Scripture. And Luther and others wanted to bring everyone back under the authority of the Word of God. Like the ancient king of Israel, it when we dwell in the Word, it it grows us in our faith. It grows us in our fear of the Lord. We go to scriptures to learn about the Savior. We use his words to hold each other accountable. It's how we raise up future generations. So that they too may see this letter from our Savior. That they too may read this story about the greatest love that the world has ever known. And when we do go awry, when we are in those moments of darkness, it is the word that can set us back on the right way and on the right path. We do this arm in arm. We use the scriptures to hold one another accountable. I pray that y'all use the scriptures to hold what I say in the sermon hold me and my words accountable. that I may teach and preach what is right and true. The scriptures get us ready for that heavenly kingdom. They shape us, they mold us, show us the light, the truth, and the way, and bring us peace. And so now that we see this story, now that we know the love of Jesus we shall rejoice. My goodness, we, we should rejoice. We should sing. Uh, Paul, Paul talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, please understand, this is not, this is not some hierarchy. This is not where you say, nope, you got to sing psalms, and then maybe some hymns, and if you get to it, spiritual songs. No, this is the fullness of our affection being sent to the Lord and praised. Although I will say this, I did ask Stuart this morning if we could do a psalm, a hymn, and a spiritual song, and he turned me down. A little disappointed in that, but that's okay. our, Our singing, our praises, that is a statement of joy, of the wonderfulness of Christ. It moves our hearts. We get to sing of his love, of his redemption, and when we dwell upon that, why wouldn't we sing? Music is essential. It is an integral part of the Christian life. In Colossians 1 verses 15 through 20, that's a song. Paul has already written one in this book. And the next time I preach on Colossians, we will sing it. I'll ask Stuart to put it to music he owes me one. Paul writes songs in his letters. Psalms is one of the largest books of the Bible. And it's nothing but a songbook, singing the praises of God. If we're going to live our lives as a thank you, if we're going to say, if we're going to return the blessings and the affections that Christ has toward us to him, we need to do that in our psalm. If Christ pours out himself upon us, his grace, his mercy, his love, then let us go forth and pour it out. The word is vital. It is essential. It illuminates so much of God's love. And it moves us to sing. I'm not the best Christmas shopper in the world, but it's especially hard figuring out for my parents. But I have discovered something my mom loves biographies. And so that's like my fallback. And I'll do it in themes, whether it's women of the Reformation or Supreme Court justices or World War II leaders. Uh, I, I get her biographies and she just flies through them, learning about these amazing women and uh, great men. And then she she loves it and it's like look at this amazing stuff but here we have a book that tells the most magnificent story about the most magnificent creator almost like a biography it is what he wants us to know of him that we may rejoice in seeing his praises this letter to God's people, we should dwell in it. It should be upon our hearts, sitting in our souls. It should enrich our lives. It should be a vast part of our lives. We should savor it and linger upon it. We should read small portions at a time, chewing through and understanding the depth of his word. We should read large portions at a time, to understand the vast love of God and to get the big picture. The song should be on our hearts of his love and amazement. We should delight in them. They should mold us. We should trust in the Holy Spirit to use the scriptures to shape us. Dwell upon his word do not let the awe of Christ leave you, but sing his praise. Now, the final part of our thank you note. If we are going to move toward this peace and thanks, if we are going to dwell and let the scriptures dwell within us in thanks, if we're going to sing in thanks, uh, the, this last part just pretty much covers everything else. Saying this, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, if you grew up in a Presbyterian church, you're probably familiar with the catechism. Or should be, at least. Now, we are not the only denomination that does catechism, so I refuse to accept this as a weird Presbyterian thing. But it's good. It's, if you're not familiar with it, it's a process of studying scriptures and what does the Bible say about life, about God, about the Bible itself, about the sacraments, various aspects of the Christian faith. And the very first question of the catechism, what is the chief end of man? Which is really a fancy way of saying, what is the main purpose of mankind? What is our our diligence? What is our duty? What is our goal? And the answer is very straightforward and simple. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's the first question uh, people memorize and learn. And this glorify. Because he's already talked about enjoying God. We see that in the sinking. We see that in the moving toward peace. But this glorify, this is what Paul is exhorting the Colossians to do. Whatever you do in word or deed, it's a simple phrase. Which encompasses everything our interactions with the world, our interactions with each other, our interactions with our family, word and deed, our speech, the things we do, there's 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 not much left. And Paul's telling us, "Do this in the name of Jesus." Hmm. Now, we we <laughs> Sometimes I feel like we take the phrase, the name of the Lord, and use it as a stamp to okay everything, almost like bless your heart. Just do whatever you want and then say, in Jesus' name, and then you're like, boom, nailed it. Uh, But that's not quite what Paul's talking about. See, if we've put on a new self, as Stuart preached last week, if we are given a new life in Christ, the way we live should reflect our Savior. I was trying to think of an illustration, and immediately I thought of my university. Uh, funny enough, I started college, and this is scary, almost 20 years ago. Now, don't worry, I finished almost 16 years ago, so that was good. I only spent four years in Boone, uh, but I still considered going to Appalachian State uh, as being an integral part of my life. I, I still scream, it's great to be a Mountaineer. I still talk about our football team as if uh, we are better than everybody else. I try to get the youth to go. I've, I have offered to pay for so many of their applications to App State. Uh, nobody's taken me up on it because they always ask for me to pay tuition. Even after they get accepted to other universities, I still try to get them to switch. And Lou, it's not too late, just to let you know. But I'm not unique in this. Not unique as an App State fan. I'm not unique as a fan in general. Many people feel that way toward their university, their school of choice. Because it was formational. Yet the formation that Christ brings in our lives, the transformation his word does in our hearts, the work that the Spirit does in growing us in our faith and dragging us to the Lord and bringing us to his kingdom, is far greater than any four years of our life. It's far, his redemption is a greater blessing, and it's far more rewarding. And I know this because I, I had a philosophy degree. It's not that rewarding at all, but Christ's love is supremely rewarding. It is life changing, it shapes us, it molds us, it changes who we are. It gives us great joy. It moves us to song. It brings us peace that we can't help but turn and in thanks give praise. And with that same thankfulness, our actions and our words should reflect that love, should reflect the impact that Jesus has on our hearts. It should reflect the change in our very being. So when we move forward in our lives, when we walk together to wherever the Father has called us, to whatever the Lord has called us to do, we walk together arm in arm in a manner that is pleasing and good to the Lord, that glorifies Him, that represents our Savior, that honors Him. That is doing these things in the name of Jesus. That is talking and speaking in the name of Jesus. That is is doing our deeds in the name of Jesus. And through Christ, we can show that thanks. We can be incredibly thankful. We have this peace and joy that we can see in our lives from the smallest thing. Either you're walking and you see a flower and you stop and take a smell of the fragrance that God created to the biggest things. To hearing your kids confess their faith. To taking care of one another. To hearing the stories of the great witness of the work that the Spirit is doing in the world. We can give thanks. Thanks. Because we are a wholly new people in Jesus. And through Jesus, we can demonstrate this appreciation and properly return to that love that Christ has given us. We can properly return that affection. We can pour it out not just to one another, but back to the Lord. So let us so let us live our lives in appreciation for our Savior. Through Jesus, let us give thanks for the peace that He brings. In His peace, let the, world, the Word dwell in us richly. And through the Word and that peace, let us sing and give praise. Let us do everything to the glory of God and with thanksgiving through Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you have moved so much. Indeed, you have moved heaven and earth that your people may be saved. Lord, you have transformed our hearts to see your goodness and truth, your light. Triune God, we thank you And I pray that our lives may be one of thanks, our lives may be one of appreciation that show forth your majestic love, your humbling grace, and your kind of mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.